0: Thanks, everybody. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, isn't it a great day? Yeah, I am so excited. I'm excited for tomorrow because my barber opens back up. Isn't that great? Like, I didn't realize how much I would miss that, but I'm so excited that I get to go in. I'm going to give him a really good tip, too, because I just, I just haven't seen the guy in a while, and I miss him. Um, I wanted to talk this morning about some things that have been going on recently in my life and kind of relate it to some things, some truths that God has given to me. Um, for those of you who have been kind of keeping up with what I've been doing, um, over the last year or so, um, I've been able to make a connection with Danny Silk, and um, get some some training from him and and some personal interaction. And if if you don't know who Danny Silk is, he's like a charismatic James Dobson. And if you don't know who James Dobson is, think of like a really like the name and marriage and family and relationships in, in our circles. Okay, that's that's. My heart is marriage and family, relationships, connections, health and, and, and healthiness in the body. So when I was invited to be a part of what Danny's doing, I just felt like over the moon, this is amazing, I can't believe this. Over the past month, month and a half, um, I've been a part of like a Zoom training with Danny and just a few other people. So it's like a real close, intimate core group that every week, I get to have uh, individual interaction. I get to ask him questions. Um, He's getting to know me a little bit. So last week, he says to our group, he says, all right, so um, I want each of of you who I have not heard teach before, I want you to do do a 10-minute teaching on my stuff to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Danny Silk wants me to teach him about his stuff. It's kind of like teaching... Jesus and the apostles about the Sermon on the Mount. It, it, they already know this stuff. How's this going to work? And it was like a dream come true and a nightmare at the same time. I was so scared, but I was like, this is this is what I want to do. So I, I go in, and, and I'm like, you know, pulling things and, and trying to prepare and get ready and just, nerv- you know, my stomach's in knots, just nervous as anything. Um, I put everything together, and as as I finally came to the time to teach, um, I presented and I, I used some of the, the slides that I've, you may have seen in here with kind of you put the, uh, Photoshop the head on a superhero and introduce my different friends and that kind of thing. Well, I ended it with, with Danny and the rest of the team uh, at the Lord's Supper, and Danny's the center with all the other team on the sides, Photoshop their heads into it, and they just loved it. They ate it up. They thought it was great. And they, um, I even was able to pull some good feedback, and, and they just raved about it. They said I, I did a great job, and I was so filled. And it was so exciting, so amazing. And I was like, God, how did I get here? How, I, like, I, I, would, I wouldn't even dare to dream that I could have an opportunity to do something like that. And um, what I realized was I have been preparing for this for years and probably over a decade, like I've been getting ready for something like this. And it wasn't any one big thing. It was a lot of little things that added up that opened this opportunity for me. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is little things. So I want to look at um, a scripture, Luke 16:10. I like this one. This is Jesus talking, says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful all in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little thing is unrighteous in much. The little things matter. The things that you put in front of you, the the little things that you do in life count. Over the years I've spent time, uh, I think I spent three years listening to every single sermon that Bethel put out. Every i just I just drank it, I filled it. I read so many different books you know to to kind of lead up to that time. I did trainings and classes um i I worked on living the principles with my friends and family, and there were ups and downs, but I would always come back to it I'd always come back to you know what I found was truth and what what I felt God was calling me into so um I had the question then What does it look like? What, how do we make sure that we stay faithful? And What kind of um, Wisdom can we draw out of scripture To help us learn to be that and do that? Well the scripture that I came to Was Matthew 25 And Matthew 25 is divided up into three different sections And I wanted to kind of briefly go through each section And talk about that But before I do that I need to set up the atmosphere of that so that you can understand what was going on in Matthew 24 because this is Jesus talking about it. If you don't know what he's he's presenting in Matthew 24, it doesn't make as much sense as why he's talking about the things he does in Matthew 25. So I'm going to give you a big snapshot of of the highlights of what's happening in Matthew 24, and then I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on the three sections of Matthew 25. So Matthew 24 here are a few of the things that i think are important okay one of them is in in, uh, verses five through eight it talks about you're going to see things that make you think that it's the end of the world but don't assume that it is just because you see these things you could see tornadoes and pandemics but don't assume that that is the end of the world okay don't go reading every tragedy, every terrible thing that happens. That, that necessarily means that, that the world's coming to an end. Okay? And then um, the second thing is things, in, in verse 13, it talks about things can get difficult, but stay faithful. There are going to be trials. There will be things that happen in life that may even cause you to, to be tempted to question your faith. But stay faithful. Stick with it. And then there will be some impressive people who make bold claims about Jesus coming back, and even some of them might even claim to be Jesus. Every so often you'll have somebody that gives a date and says, the end of the world is this day, and you better get ready. And we know this. And I think I'm on the sixth or seventh one of those. I've survived every time. <laughs> okay? But, but Scripture tells us that's going to happen. People are going to make big claims. They're going to say things. They may even have some amazing demonstrations. But don't be deceived then um, in verses 29 through 31 jesus is going to come back and he's going to gather to him the people who have followed him so don't think just because you you know we we haven't seen him for a long time don't think that he's not coming either that's important is we know that he is still coming back so just because it's been a while just because you've seen people say and predict the day and they've been wrong don't think that he's not coming back they just don't know when he's coming the fifth thing is um, in verse 36 nobody but Father God knows the exact time. So don't go and try and, and get scared when people say, Well, Jesus is coming back on this day. Jesus himself said, Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows. And then the last thing that I want to point out in chapter 24 is in verses 48 through 51. You should live like he could come back at any time. Live, Don't change your life because you're worried he's going to come back tomorrow. Live like he could come back at any moment or you might need to endure for a while. Either way, your life should not look too different. And I think that God doesn't let us know when he's going to come back because he doesn't want us to be worried about the date. He wants us to be thinking are we living for him today? If I think he's coming back tomorrow, I could scare myself. I could live in fear and try to do the right things, but I won't necessarily genuinely be going after him. If I know it's going to be 10,000 years ago from now, I could say, well, i got plenty of time. I don't need to worry about it. Just you know, I'm just going to move on. No, he wants us to press into him not knowing the day. He didn't want us to know the day. Otherwise, he would have told us the day. He doesn't want us to know. So don't waste a lot of time worrying about when Jesus is coming back. We don't know for sure. We see a lot of signs. We see, I could say now, that it is closer than it was yesterday. That's really profound, I know. But that's what, that's what we can say. So, that's chapter 24. That's a real quick summary of that. I, I suggest you go back and, and you read it for yourself. But there's Matthew 25 is what I really want to talk about today. So keeping in mind that Matthew 24 is actually talking about end times, talking about when Jesus is coming back, you get these three sections of Matthew 25, two parables and then um, a story about, about how what will happen. It kind of helps give you a frame of reference. The first story is about the... Uh, the ten virgins. And in this story, it has less to do with their virginity than it does that they were young women. Okay? So in biblical times, what people would do is, when a wedding was about to happen, the groom would go to the bride's house, and he would wait for her, and they'd have a party. And that was the first, first section of a, of a wedding, of, of getting ready for the big day. Okay? So he'd go to her house, and, or you know, in her father's house, and they may have a little bit of a party there. They may be excited. You know, it's wedding day. And so um, what would happen is it would take some time for that to happen, and then they would proceed to the groom's house or to another place so that they could actually have the actual ceremony. Okay? And so these ten women, these ten virgins, are in between, and they're waiting to see uh, when the groom comes out, all right? And he's there, he's at the bride's house, and it's getting late. And the wise virgins brought lamps with plenty of oil. There were five of them. The five foolish virgins brought lamps, and they did not have enough oil, okay? And so by the time the groom finally comes out, it's like midnight, they fell asleep, and they're waking up, and they're hoping that they can be a part of the wedding party. They're hoping that they can basically be torchbearers to go to the wedding day and be a part of the crowd, because there's going to be a big crowd coming through a procession, moving on, going to the, bride, to the groom's home to have this amazing wedding. Well, when they wake up, the wise virgins were ready. They had, they had their lamps full of oil, so they were ready to go and be a part of the procession foolish ones said oh we didn't bring enough oil loan us some well the wise ones said well if we give you ours we don't know if we're going to have enough we know we have enough if we don't but we don't know if we have enough if we give you what we have and so they say but go ahead and go try to buy some and hopefully you'll be back in time well the foolish ones go off and they 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 buy some but they're not back in time and they miss out on the party and they don't let them in because they they are not in part of the procession all right So that's a that's a big story. You can you can read about it um, in Matthew twenty-five. But this is what the point is. Matthew twenty five, thirteen. This is what it says. Be on alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. It's the little things. Be ready with the little things. Carry a little extra oil with you. Be ready to go an extra long time. You know, one of the things that sticks out to me in this story is the ones who were smart were the ones who were ready to wait a long time. People love to say Jesus is coming back soon, but the smart ones were ready to wait a long time. Now, at the same time, they weren't ready to wait so long that they said, Well, you've got plenty of time, go buy some more oil. And you should have plenty of time when you get back. Everything will be fine. No, there is a limit of time here, too. So be ready at any time. One of the little things that I think kept me ready was looking out and saying, God, I know you've got bigger things for me, but I don't know when that will happen. But when it does, I want to be ready for it. You know, um, some of the, uh, the prisoners of war, I, I've heard stories about them, is the, uh, the people who had the hardest time surviving in a, in a time in a, um, prison camps were the ones who would say things like, well, we'll be home by Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving would come and go, and they weren't home yet. They said, well, we'll be home by Christmas. And Christmas would come and go, and they weren't home yet and they'd keep, well, Easter, and they'd keep pushing it back, and pretty soon they had so many disappointments piled up that they died of a broken heart. They couldn't survive. The ones that, who did survive, they didn't necessarily say, we will be done by this time. But make no confusion. They knew that they would get out. They didn't say, well, we're stuck here forever, and we're just going to camp here. They said, we don't know how long this is going to take to get to our destiny." to get out we don't know how long it's going to take but it will happen it is going to happen and that's the little thing that we need to go after is i i have to have this resolve that i know that good things are coming but i can't put a deadline on when they have to come by i can't say it has to be done by this point or else i'm going to lose my faith So have a plan to persevere. And then be ready for your destiny at any moment when it comes. When God calls you something, keep vision for that and be ready for when when it comes on you. Set yourself up for success later by staying full. Keep the oil full. Feast on the things you know you've been called to do. Feast on the things that, that, that bring life into your life, even if, no, if you're not sure why. My son, Caleb, who is a graduating senior this year. Yeah, isn't that great? We're doing, we're doing what we can to celebrate. It does, it's going to look different, but it's going to be great. When he was preschool age, before he was even old enough to read, He would wake up, and he'd be playing and, and, and being toys, and we had a small house. And I would sit down, in my, as, as I still do today, I'd sit down on the couch or sit down somewhere, and I'd open my Bible, and I'd read it. And he would be making all of this noise around me, and he might even be wanting to climb up on me. He doesn't do that anymore, don't worry. And uh, I'd be thinking, God is this really accomplishing anything? I can't really focus on my Bible very well right now. And then no sooner as I was thinking that, he gets his little kid Bible, and he sits down next to me and opens it up, and he starts looking. And i was like, okay, that's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know. Faithful in the little things. The fruit may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, but being faithful in little things makes a difference. So then you jump to the second part of Matthew 25, this is the parable of the talents, okay? And a talent was a sum of money. And so there was a, a businessman who entrusted three of his servants with a different sum of talents. One of them he gave five talents, one of them he gave two talents, and one of them he gave one. And he's going to go away on this long trip, and as he goes out there, he... Um, he instructs them to take care of these and see what you can do with these talents, this money. Okay? When he goes out, and he's gone for some time, he comes back and he goes to the, the first servant who had five talents. And the servant says, guess what? I was able to invest the money that you had and I brought you back five more talents. And the, the, the master says, hey, very well done. You did this. I'm going to put you in charge of, of even bigger and better things. And the guy with two similar kind of thing, he had two. He comes back and he says, "I made you two more. Good job, and put you in charge of, of, of a couple other bigger things." But the guy with one talent goes to the, the the owner, the master, and he says, "I was scared because I know this this talent's precious to you. I know that you're a hard man." I was scared about that, and so what I did is I took this and I buried it in the ground because I wanted to make sure nothing happened to it. And so here you go, I protected that talent that you had. And the master comes back to him, um, and he says, "Oh, you wicked servant! Why did you do that? You could have at least invested it in the bank and gotten an interest off." And so um, I, um, I, I skipped the, the scripture I wanted to point out. Matthew 25, 21. This is what 21. This is how we, we want to, to receive. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what he says to the first two servants. They were faithful in a few things. The third one comes to him and he says, you wicked servant, you could have invested it and you didn't. You didn't do anything with it. And so, the master is harsh. He calls him lazy, calls him wicked. There are a few things I pull out of this story about the little thing. God wants us to be willing to risk what we have for what is coming. Be willing to risk. You know, for me, um, one of the things that I've had to risk is it is difficult for me to be, you know, be around people who are manifesting signs of the Holy Spirit because God has not typically hit me that way. And so I can feel really inadequate if I'm around these people that they're flopping around and doing all these different things, and I can feel like, God, what is wrong with me? Why, why don't I do that? But I, I remember in Brazil at one point, God asked me if I don't do that, would you still follow me? Well, God asked you that. What's your answer going to be? You know. And it's funny that every time it comes up, I still have to have the same conversation with Him. Because I still would love to, to, to experience things that way. I still want to. And I, I still believe for that. He's still, he's still going to, to be doing those things and has it to some level at different times. But I have to be willing to take that risk every single time I go out because the other alternative is to, well, I'm just going to keep my head knowledge of God and never have any experience with him. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to stay safe. But that's not how relationship happens. That isn't how we grow. We grow through risk. We grow because we, we're saying, God, I'm going to risk that you are good enough that I can handle this. And when, when I was um, on that Zoom call, and when Danny first announced that uh, we were going to teach him, my first thought was disconnect. I thought, I'm just going to shut down this call, disconnect, and pretend like I didn't even hear that. I didn't do that but but that was my first thought and actually initially thought he wanted uh, me to teach ten minutes right away not give me a week to to get ready and then I call myself and I'm like you know this is why I'm here this is what I'm here for this is what I'm doing the second thing is um you're only expected to work with what you have if you were not given five talents You don't have to start with five talents. You only have to to start with one. So don't go looking around at other people thinking, wow, they've got so much more to offer the Lord. God is not measuring that. Who do you think gave them more to offer? He's not impressed by that. That was something that he had. He is looking, will you co-labor with me with what you already have? And if it's just a little thing and you give it to him, and you partner with him, and you take that risk with that one talent, he's going to cherish that. He's going to love that. But if you try to protect what you have and not give to him, he's, he's going to be thinking, why did I waste that talent on you? The whole idea is something outside of you. The whole idea is something bigger than you. If you don't trust me to be good enough to protect you when you take a risk, Why would I give you other things? Why would I give you more? And the other thing is, the last thing is about that. You're expected to turn whatever you have into something bigger. Whatever God gives you, whatever God pours out into you, he expects you to do something with it. Whatever talent it is, whatever ability it is, He expects you to make something bigger out of that. And I will tell you, you won't feel alive until you do. I don't care how naturally talented you are. If you don't turn that into something bigger, if you don't co-labor with him to make that into something more, you will not feel alive. You're going to feel like a fraud because, well, I'm just doing what I could naturally do. I'm just just doing what God gave to me and, and just doing that. Make it into something more. And then the last part of Matthew 25 is called the sheep and the goats. And this is a really well-known one. And basically what it says is it's, it's in the end times, and Jesus says... The king's going to come, and he's going to separate people into two sections. So keep in mind, 24 was talking about end times. All three of these parables are talking about end times, right? So this is what it says, starting in uh, Matthew 25, starting verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? All right, And this is verse 40. This is what I want you to see. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them you did it for me. Now that story continues. we love to read that part, but that story continues because there's the other side of this as well. Starting in verse 41, it says, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison? And not take care of you, then he will answer them Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of the, these, you did not do it to me. Efforts in the small stuff matter, the little things make a difference me spending a little extra time listening to a teaching, reading a book, doing a sermon, prepared me so that I was ready to present. Letting me myself even get uncomfortable was a little thing, but it mattered. When they were asking who wants to go next week to teach, I said I'd go first because little things matter. At the end, when they had given me their feedback, and it was just his great feedback, I loved it. It filled me up. You know, I, I love affirmation, especially in front of other people. Don't just tell me how great I am. Let me hear you telling other people how great I am. I love that. But at the end, I said to them, I said, Okay, but what can I do better? And they gave me some amazing feedback. Things that I would not have seen if I didn't ask. It's the little things that make a difference. So that next time when I teach, I've got some new information to move forward and improve. So that I can be better. I know um, when um, Angie recently had this conversation with one of our daughters. Because Angie and I are, are you know, very thrifty, which means cheap for those of you in the back row. Um, but basically, we pinch pennies. You know we, you know, we cut any little corner that we can. Um, we, for years, you know, we've done coupons, not as much now as we used to early on. But uh, one of our daughters was asking Angie, you know, why do you just, why is saving 30 cents going to make a big difference in your life? And she's, it's, it's kind of like, well, 30 cents is not going to. 30 cents is only 30 cents. But one, 30 cents will add up if I keep doing that on everything that I buy. It is going to add up. And two, even if that doesn't add up to much, that mindset will add up to a lot in the long run. Keeping a new mindset. So doing the little things isn't always going to make an impact right now, but it shifts your mindset. It makes you aware and thinking about things outside of you. Being ready for Jesus to come back means being ready to love others well and to love him well. If you're worried about Jesus coming back, start loving people well. Because that's what he's asking us to do. You might be surprised at what God values most about what you're doing in your life. It may really shock you, because in in the story, the people are like, we didn't do any of that for you. We didn't help you in any way. And Jesus says, the king says, when you did it for anybody else, you did it for me. And I can't imagine the, the surprise and the shock when you stand before Jesus when he says, look at what you did. You took those little talents that you had, and you turned that into something. It was an effort for you to smile at the cashier because you had to take your mask off, right? No. It was an effort for you to smile at the cashier because you were having a bad day, but you smiled and you were pleasant anyways. Well done, because you did that to me. You did that for me. So, to kind of wrap things up, there are a few final points I want to make. These are things that will help you take care of the little things so they make a difference later in your life. One is, what do you invest in? And I'm not talking about money, although that could be part of it, but what do you invest in? What do you put your time into? You know, Angie and I, being frugal or cheap, um, one of the hard things that is for us is, is deciding, I'm going to invest into this class or this conference or this book these things because i know the value of money but i also know that money in itself has no value by itself so i'm going to ask myself how am i going to commission these soldiers every dollar is a soldier how am i going to commission them into my life to make something better for me and then who do you spend time with we become like the people that we hang around with the most so if you want to be a better, stronger person, get around people who are in a better place than you are. Like that has been one of the most challenging things. When I'm in this, on a this Zoom call, I am no longer Pastor Josh, the guy everybody comes to with their problems that has this wisdom. I'm just another guy, maybe one of the least there. But if I want to grow, I've got to put myself somewhere where people are doing more than I'm doing. And so ask yourself that. Am I afraid of people who are further along than I am? Or am I willing to go in and put myself in a spot and humbly come to that table and, and glean and learn from what, from what they have and what, they, what they're doing? Another thing that I would recommend is read Proverbs. If you want to learn about doing the little things, man, read through the Proverbs. Proverbs. Read through them regularly. There are so many, so much wisdom packed in there about little things that you can do to make your life better. And then do hard stuff. Now, don't do it just because it's hard, but don't avoid it. I've been laying flooring as part of our stay-at-home order, redoing the whole house, laying vinyl plank flooring, and yesterday before lunch I was just about completely done I was like oh this is going to be so amazing still got to put the trim up and that kind of thing but so I'm I'm pulling out the spacers and uh, getting everything back in place where it should go and I pull one of the spacers out one of the planks come up I thought oh alright what's the easiest fastest way I can fix this? this is my first thought right and And I go through and I look on YouTube and everything is kind of like, you know, get a hot gun, a a heat gun and melt something. And I'm thinking, I just, this is new. I don't want to ruin it. And so I'm like, you know what? If I want to do this right, I want to take it apart from that spot and put it back together. Because it's going to be worth it if I do the hard stuff right now as much as I was like I wanted to be done it didn't take that didn't take nearly as long cuz everything was already cut but it was just so frustrating when I felt that setback but if I changed my mindset and basically said you know what it's going to be worth it the only thing I have to do today is write a sermon anyways so <laughs> the next thing is remember your victories from the past as you're going along all of us have victories King David, before he was king, when he was about to fight Goliath, he told what I call a lion and bear story. He told King Saul, listen, I can fight this giant Goliath because when I was younger, I used to fight lions and bears, and I'd come out victorious. Well, every one of you has a lion and bear story in your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting in here or watching out there. Every one of you has something in your life that was a victory Spend time focusing and feasting on that and say god if you did it then do it again Do it again. I'm going to live and and recognize the things that you've done And then stop counting your tragedies instead of your victories. We do this all the time Well, you know tragedies come in threes Where does it say that in the bible? Or then you'll start going through your week and counting all the bad things that happened to you. Instead of counting all the good things that have happened to you in spite of those, shift your focus and start thinking about the good things that are going on in your life. Start counting those. and Those bad things, yeah, deal with them. Don't pretend like they're not there, but don't like start making a tally, adding it up. What good is that going to do you? How is that going to make your life better by having the list of all the negative things that have happened in your Be ready for, being ready for Jesus' return makes us ready for life. That's why it's part of the little things. Now, me getting ready to teach in front of Danny Silk and, and his apostles on a Zoom call it, it has very little to do with Jesus coming back, but it has everything to do with it too because it's me living a faithful life toward him. It's the same thing. And that's what being ready for Jesus to come back is, is about. And then the last thing I want to say is focus outside of yourself. Like whatever gifts or talents God has given you, it's, it's great if you enjoy them. It's not a problem if you feel good about them. It's not humility to pretend like you're not good at something that you really are good at. You can admit that you're good at something. It's okay. okay? But recognize that God has put that in front of you to bless other people in some way. In one way or another, what God has given you should bless, should benefit him and other people in some way. So I'm going to ask Adam to come up, and and we're just going to close this morning. I know um, I think one of the last things that I want to mention is what is God preparing you for right now? What little things can you do to step out and walk into that? Um, Ask Holy Spirit right now to show you what's a step that you can take toward Him What's a step that you can take, a little thing that will prepare you for something bigger? Maybe you have big vision of what what big thing that will be, but even if not, what's a little thing that he wants to set you up for? There are dreams that God's making come true in my life that I didn't dare to to, to dream. But I could be faithful in the little things and then step out when opportunities came. So I'm going to pray and uh, Micah and Jackie I know um, we kind of skipped communion this morning But I think Why don't we close with that Are you guys open to doing that Okay, So I'm going to close my part in prayer But I'm going to hand things over to Mike and Jackie And we're going to go ahead and finish with communion So Lord um, I just thank you I thank you for your goodness I thank you for what you're pouring out I thank you that you're even going past Hope into joy right now We stir up joy And, Lord, I just pray I speak freedom over people's lives today. I'm reminded of a word one of our intercessors gave um, me this morning that I want to mention because this is a little thing, but it's a big thing too. God is bringing, uh, they, they felt God is bringing freedom from certain kind of sexual and pornographic addictions right now. And that's a hidden thing. And so there are people, I'm sure even in this room, that could be dealing with that. God wants to exchange those things for what he has. But here's the thing. Here's the little thing. If you have a desire that's not being met, you will try to meet it artificially. And that's what pornography and and sexual addiction is. So the problem is not the desire because the desire is usually connection, intimacy, closeness. The problem is how you're expressing that desire. So if all you're trying to do is discipline yourself and that discipline comes in conflict with your desire, desire is always going to win. So what you need is to find a way to, to healthily meet that desire. Figure out what it is that you're needing and healthily meet that. So in Jesus' name, we break off sexual addiction, we break off pornography, and we just say you are powerful to choose not to do this, but you're also powerful to choose how to meet those needs. We bless you. We bless you guys in Jesus' name.